Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here on a Tuesday night. Praise the Lord. I have been with y'all every Tuesday. You just didn't know it. I was online watching you all and listening to the services, and uh, it has been wonderful, has it not? It's really been amazing, some of the messages that you've been able to hear and what God has done here, and really, uh, it's amazing that I'm here. Uh, I got here, and I went over to the resting ranch. Some of y'all may know where that's at, and I began to rest a little more than I should have. I began to enjoy myself and rest, and then I got to praying for you all and praying for the message, and I looked down at my watch, and I said, my goodness, I have to get out of here. He texted me, he was like, when's your ETA? Are you coming tonight? So I really am glad that I'm here. I almost missed it over there where I was. Uh, but uh, to say he's a friend of mine uh, really doesn't tell all the truth. I uh, have been in love with him and this church for a little over a year now, August 20th. He sent him into my life in a big way. Well, that's not the first time I met him, but he had invested in me and believed in God in me August 20th of last year. Before I'd ever preached for him, before I'd ever been here at this church, uh, he loved me and invested in me. And to me, he is a great hero, one of my greatest friends. And if the Lord ever does anything, which I believe he already has blessed me, but if he does anything for his glory through my life, I will always remember for those that was there along the journey. I believe it is those of God's people that have prayed and that have invested and that have encouraged and that have loved and even that have heard that continue to keep God's men doing what he's called them to do. So I pray that our hearts will be knitted together. And let's not wait halfway through the sermon to do that. We're going to spend eternity together if you've been born again. So we might as well get to liking each other right now. Turn your Bibles to two different places, if you will. First, go to Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. I want you to go there and take that marker in your Bible if you got it. Some of you may use something else other than that. But I'm going to go to two places. So whatever you have, if you have the ability to mark Luke 16, go ahead and do that for me. We'll be there later. Luke 16. And put your marker there. And then go to John 5, where we'll take our text tonight. John 5. Are you glad you saved? Say amen. amen. Very good. What a blessing it is to hear of all the great things that are being done here in Simpsonville. Isn't it amazing that you got this property eight months ago and now you're trying to figure out how to fit people in it? Praise the Lord for that problem. <laughs> he doesn't enjoy it much at night when he's trying to sleep, but we can enjoy that problem, that God is really doing something here. And I want to ask this question to you today. Is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus who he says that he is? I'd like to provide some evidence in the court, if you will, tonight. I'll do my best through what Jesus, I believe, was put on trial and proved that he is who he says he is. If you're lost and do not know him, you'll have a decision to make whether or not you will trust him to be who he says he is. And for those of us that are believers, when we really realize who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and we sing about it in one of those songs that I've never even heard before, it blessed my soul. When I realized really who he is, it altered my lifestyle. 
It wasn't because I felt like it. He said I left the job and went full time. Look, it was because I realized that Jesus was who he said that he was. John chapter 5. I begin reading in verse 31. John chapter 5 and 31. The Bible says, if I bear witness of myself, this is Jesus talking, my witness is not true. Now we know that everything he says is true, but if we was in a court of law today and I was on trial, uh, my testimony of myself, the jury wouldn't accept as reality. Because, of course, I'm going to say whatever I need to say to get me out of trouble or to prove that I am right. So he says here, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another there bear witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnessed of me is true. Uh, ye sent unto John, that's John the Baptist, and he bear witness unto the truth. That means he told the truth about me. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. I use that man so that you could hear and believe and be saved. He was, John the Baptist, a burning and a shining light. And ye were willing for a season to rejoice in that light. But I have greater witnesses than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do. They bear witness of me that the, uh, that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath bore witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Then he says, search the scriptures. For in them, the Bible that we have, if you will, the scriptures at the time that they had, the Bible that they had, if you will, at the time, He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But he says, those scriptures that you're searching, they are they which testify of me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. God, I stand in great need of your help and hand and touch. Lord, I'm highly dependent on the scripture, the word of God. Lord, I'm highly dependent on the help and anointing from God that you would speak to the hearts as I speak to the ear. God, I have no power, no ability. I didn't bring anything with me, God, outside of the Lord, using the work. And I pray, God, that you'd use it tonight. May you bless your people, encourage your people. Love on them, Lord. Prove that you are really who you said you are. Jesus, I love you for coming into my life and changing my life. I pray, Lord, if someone's here not know you, that you would, Lord, begin the process, Lord, of changing and altering their life. For the believers here at Bible Baptist, Lord, their church is named the Bible. They put much emphasis in the Scripture and the Word of God. It is what tells us all truth. I pray you'd use it tonight, Lord, in great power. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The, to give you a recap of the story that's happening here, there is a, a, in the beginning of chapter 5, there is a pool of Bethesda. And there's a lame man there, I believe of 38 years, that laid beside the pool of Bethesda. And he could not get into the water. And every time the, the Bible says, and not every version says, but my version says in verse 4, that an angel went down and stirred the water. That's not in every version. That is in, in the one I'm reading tonight. And it says that an angel would stir the water. And when it did, if you got in the water, you could be healed. You can read that for yourself. And I just believe that the Bible, what it says, is true. I believe every jot and tittle. I believe what's in there. 
uh, at that verse really means that if he would have got up and got able to get into the water, then he could have been healed. Jesus comes by that man's way, laying there lame. Now, I know that Jesus came at the right time, and he came to the right place. The man was 38 years lame, but there he sat. Jesus comes by and says, why are you laying here? He says, I have no man to help me into the water. He says, do you want to be made whole? And he said, well, I ain't got nobody to get me into the water. Somebody always beats me to it. So Jesus tells him, take up thy bed and walk. He made him whole. He, he healed him. He provide, he performed the work. He performed a miracle in that lame man's life. He picks up his bed and he starts walking. The problem with him walking with his bed is that it happened to be the Sabbath day. I say happen and I say coincidence, but we know that's not true. We know that God did it all on purpose. Jesus was there on purpose on that day. He knew very well what the Pharisees had made to be an extension of the law that he, uh, God already gave. And he knew that that man would get in trouble, if you will, for carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees and them find him carrying his bed. And they said to him, why are you carrying your bed? It's on the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to move furniture, if you will. That was the law that they had made. And he said, so why are you carrying it? He said, well, there was a man that healed me and he told me to take up my bed. They said, who is that man? He said, well, I'm not sure. I didn't really catch who it was. Jesus found him later and he came to him and told him who he was and he said, now that you've been made whole, go and sin no more lest the worst judgment come on you. He told him, look, now don't sin. You know, enjoy the life that I give you but live it according to as you should live it. And so he went back and he told them, it was Jesus who healed me and told me to take my bed up and walk on the Sabbath day. So they caught Jesus in chapter 5 here. They caught him, if you will, and brought him to court, if you will. They brought him, the Bible says, to persecute him. They had sought to slay him, sought to hurt him, sought to do him injustice because uh, they believe he caused a man to sin by carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. So what I have read to you is part of Jesus uh, explaining to himself, to them, who he is. And he said that I, my father is God. And they knew enough scripture to know that if someone says that I'm the son of God, that is to make him equal with God. So he knew when he, he knew and they knew when he said, I am Jesus and I am the son of God. He is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the one that came to rule and reign. I am the one that came to save humanity. I am equal with God. Of course, they said blasphemy. They didn't believe that this was the Christ that they would expect to come in such a way. But he says, yes, it is me. And that's who I am. So they sought to persecute him. And what I've read to you is him explaining to him the, the, the evidence, if you will, to prove that he is who he said he is. And if I can, just for a few short minutes, I'm going to give you three things I believe out of the scripture here that Jesus proved that he is who he says he is. And I believe he's still proving today that he is who he says he is. Through the same uh, uh, evidence, through the same witness, through the same works, and through the same word, I believe that he is still doing these things and still proving that Jesus is who he says he is. Number one, we notice, look in the verse 32 through 35, he explains a man by the name of John the Baptist. He said he bear witness of me. And, and, uh, 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 and, and he said that you, for a season, he said for a season, you was willing, 
He was willing for a season to rejoice in this light. That's in verse 35. He was a burning, shining light. John the Baptist came on the scene and John the Baptist was telling them about who the Messiah was, who Jesus was, and what His plans were. And when He came, He did not come to talk about Himself, but He came to talk about Jesus. And He said, I sent John the Baptist to you. He said, I don't need testimony from men, but I understand that men need testimony of men. He understood the frailty. He understood it depravity. He understood that our minds and how we operate, and he knew that we needed somebody to tell somebody about Jesus. I believe the first evidence that he gave was human witness. The human witness that he gave was John the Baptist. He said, John the Baptist, and do you know that John the Baptist could have had a lot to say, but when John the Baptist showed up on the scene, he did not talk about that he'd been living in the wilderness and he was a tough man. He didn't talk about he's only been living on locusts and honey. He didn't talk about his wonderful uh, camel-haired garment. He didn't talk about that the Lord filled him up from birth into the in the womb and he leaped just in Jesus' presence. I believe his mama even told him about that story. He didn't talk about how his daddy was a priest and how he's from the tribe of Levi and that uh, that he was uh, of priestly heritage. And he didn't even say about how great he was in the baptizing all of those men. Do you know what John the Baptist said when he showed up on the scene? He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taken away the sin of the world, the human witness and testimony that John the Baptist sin was not of himself. It was not of where he worked. It was not of what he had. It wasn't even what he did. He said, I didn't come to talk about myself tonight. I came to make much of the one that's come after me. The one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unlatch it, friend. He said, human testimony of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist showed up to all those people, he was not talking about himself, but he was talking about Jesus. Friend, it's no different than me and you tonight. He did not send me here to talk about myself. He didn't send me here to talk about where I came from. He didn't even send me to talk about my story. I came for one reason and one reason only. Why? To prove that Jesus is who He says He is. And one way that He uses us to do that is for somebody else to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. The first Tuesday of August you had Brother Daryl Cox in here and he preached on soul winning and he said this statement. He left us here for us to be a testimony to others. Friend, the first witness and evidence that proved that Jesus is who He says He is is the fact that there are people scattered around this land that still tell somebody else about a man they've never seen, about a man and a home they've never been to that still saves lost sinners, friend. I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus is still in the business of restoring people's lives. Jesus is still in the business of taking people from sin on to heaven, friend. And He has sent me and you to tell somebody about it, friend. He said, I sent John, but you wouldn't hear of him. John didn't talk about himself. He talked about the Lord. Friend, one thing he left here is me and you. Our job at the workplace, our job in the home, our job in the community. And I'm not saying that you don't do it. Look at the way the body is. Even just last uh, Tuesday, uh, 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 Brother Horton was here and he had talked about how a healthy body grows healthy people, you know, and that spiritually healthy people will help grow the church out of Ephesians 4. And no doubt that is happening here. Why? Because Jesus is still sending evidence to a lost and dying world that I am real and it comes through the voice of me and you, friend. He's still doing that today. Not only did he send human witness, notice what he said in verse 36. He said, but I have a greater witness than that of John. He said, John was a witness. John was a testimony of me. 
He said, he came to tell you I was coming. No doubt than your preacher every Sunday, Jesus is coming by. But he said in the verse, he said, he was a burning shining light in 35, but he says in 36, but I have a greater witness than the uh, uh, than that of John. He said, I got something better than that. He said, not only did I send John, he said, you was willing to listen to him. You know, he said, you, you listened to him for a little while till I showed up and I was a carpenter's son and I was from Nazareth and I didn't have no chariot, no horse, and no sword. And I just came to love people. And I come to say, I'm here to fulfill the law. He said, you was willing to listen until I come down and was baptized by John. Now you don't want nothing to do with me. But he said, that's okay if you don't want to listen to John. I got something better than John. Notice what he says. <clears throat> For the works, verse 36 now. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works... That I do. Those works, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Say that they believe God can do miracles. They believe God was supreme. They just didn't want to accept God's Son. And He said that God sent me and He gave me works to do. Can I say this very plainly tonight? Anything that God does is a miracle. There's nothing He does like men do it. There is nothing that God does that's mediocre. There's nothing that God does that's halfway. There's nothing that God does that is short of a miracle. I believe if the God of all heaven takes any time at all to step out of eternity... And to do anything in our life. And I believe he does. I still think he answers prayer for that God to do that. He's not going to waste his time doing something that me and you could have done already anyway. No, Freon. He wants to get the glory. He wants to get the honor. He wants to get the praise. And if any man or woman can take credit, then where is God's credit? Everything that he does is a miracle. What did Jesus do when he showed up down there by the pool of Bethesda? Hey, look, he knew he wasn't supposed to be carrying that bed as far as the Pharisees were concerned, but Jesus said, I did something far greater than have somebody just walk around with their bed. This man you knew of who had laid there for 38 years and now he's not lame no more. What Jesus does, nobody else can do. You know what? The the, the second thing that he done, not only was human witness, but his works, the miracles that God done, proves that he is who he says he is. The things that he does that me and you can't uh, uh, understand. The the things that we uh, cannot even tell someone else about. It makes no sense that God would all of a sudden bless this church with this building and in eight months it's already filled up. It makes no sense that on a Tuesday and, and Jake Potter already said this too. I told you I was with you every Tuesday. I told you I was. I got it memorized. I ain't even looking at notes about that friend. Jake Potter showed up, another friend of mine, and you know what he said? With his hands like this. He said, this don't happen every Tuesday. You do understand that. What I'm trying to tell you is, it is even a miracle today that you are sitting in this seat, that you are sitting in this church, that God's blowing it out the walls, that God's doing something greater than we could even ever imagine, Bria. Do you understand where you were and where you came from? Do you understand where you was when Jesus found you to where you are today? He said, the works that I do, can't nobody else do. And those works prove that I am who I said I am. What did he do? He took a lame man and made him walk. And friend, I don't know about you, but I remember where I was when Jesus found me, friend. And I might as well have been paralyzed in my pit. I might as well have been lame on my feet, blind in my eyes, deaf in my ears, and dumb in my mouth. But Jesus showed up one day, friend, April 11, 2011. And not only did he show me who he was, but when I accepted his salvation, he totally altered my life. Friend, you're looking at a miracle today. For 29 years, I lived that long in sin. 
hand. Hell bowed with the hammer down. But when Jesus showed up, He just didn't make me turn over a new leaf. He just didn't make me a better Travis. No, friend. He made a lame man walk and a blind man see and a deaf man hear and a dumb man talk. What I'm trying to tell you tonight, if you've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a work of God, friend. You are a miracle of God, friend. I know all the time we're praying for God to do this and we're praying for God to do that. We're saying, God, give me a sign. God, do a miracle in my life. Friend, let me just go on and tell you, if you've been born again, you are a hand of God miracle, friend. You don't need no other miracle to prove who He is. You don't need some other season. You don't need another sign. Friend, if you're saved, you are a miracle. What God did in your life, can no man take credit for. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that we made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Friend, we are a miracle, friend. If you don't believe it, when you leave here, find you the closest Walmart that you can. Go over into the home goods section. Buy you the tallest mirror you can find. Hang it in the longest hallway that you got. And every time you go down the hallway, look in the mirror, friend, and you will see that you are looking at the hand of God tonight. How we know He is who He says He is? Because the works that He does. And He's still doing them today. And you know how I know? Because Pastor Cox done posted a picture of people getting baptized. He posts a picture of people getting saved. He posts a picture of the building blowing up. He posts a picture of God doing amazing and miraculous things. And you know what they are? They are you sitting in the seat, friend. They are you where you are at. Do you understand that? I don't know where you came from. I don't know where you fitting to go. But I know this, friend. Some of y'all wasn't here a year ago. Some of y'all may have not been here five years ago. Some of y'all may have not been here last week, but God did a work in your life. God performed a miracle in your life. God changed your destiny around. No longer will you perish and go to hell. Your prayer, your home is heaven. Why? Because He did a miracle in your life tonight. He says, y'all won't believe me. Lame men's walking around and you're only concerned that He's carrying around His beard. Was He not lame? Oh, yeah. Was I not lame? Oh, yeah. But Jesus did a work. I I want to get off this point, but I can't. Jesus did such a great work in mine and yours life that we are a miracle for the world to see that can stand up and say what He did in my life has changed my life. It has altered my life. It has it has forgiven my life. Where there was much sin, grace and much more about. I know the world may not understand it, but keep going to work. Keep going to school. Keep going to your home and your neighborhoods and your communities and keep saying, look, friend, if Jesus could do it for me, He can do it for you tonight, friend. Look in the mirror. God has changed your life. And you're a miracle. What evidence did he see in one? He sent human testimony. Somebody to tell somebody about Jesus. Not only that, he said, I do these works. He said, the works that I do, ain't nobody doing. I'm paraphrasing. For Bible, Baptist Church, I want to make sure you all understand. Every now and then, I may not quote exactly what the Scripture says. That's paraphrasing. Because I know Brother Stephen is far above my intellect. You already know that. I am a country boy. That's all I know, hunting and fishing. That's really why I think he likes me, and now I just get the pleasure of preaching. Amen for that. I hope that's not true. 
we'll find out when this is over <laughs> by the pizza truck. <laughs> Whether or not, we ain't doing that again. That man is crazy. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Not only the works that he done, you're a miracle. Don't sell yourself short. What's the matter with us? Me too sometimes. What's the matter with us that we... I'm not saying we don't get discouraged. But what's the matter with us that we think we're nobodies? But now before God, we ain't, we ain't, we are nobody. What a walk humbly. Where's the confidence and boldness Paul talked about? He said we can boldly go into God's house. We can go right into the throne room. We can go right into where he's at. And we can talk to him. Why? Because of what Jesus done for me and you. Look, quick, 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 thinking that you're nobody and can't do nothing for God and that you have no power, that you have no ability. Friend, even if we think John the Baptist was powerful, even if we think John the Apostle was powerful, even if we think Peter was powerful, even if we think Daniel and Moses and, and all these greats were powerful, friend, they were just regular men. They were no different than me and you. The only thing they did was make a decision that I would trust God wholeheartedly. This Bible is not full of a bunch of great men serving a God. This Bible is full of a great God using just regular men and women. And me and you can do some things for God. Why? Because He stopped all of eternity to make your mess a miracle tonight. You're a miracle. Write that down. If you don't take notes, write that down. I am a miracle. Because you are. And he says, I did that. And why are you still here? I told you I want to get off this point. We're doing good. Why are you still here? If you are such a miracle, and God loves you so much, why are you still here? This was that other preacher on Tuesday, if you didn't know. <laughs> why are you still here? He mentioned this. You know why? He does love you enough to take you to heaven. He does love you enough to know how sorry it is down there. He even wept at the tomb. He understood the sorrow of the uh, the family that was grieving over Lazarus. He knew in five minutes he's coming out of there. But he weeped. Why? He understood the sorrow. He knows how rough it is in your life right now. He does. He knows. Why are you still here? Because you are evidence. <laughs> Point number two. You are evidence that Christ is real. The only reason you're here is that somebody else can see that Christ changed your life. And you could be point one, the testimony that tells somebody else, Jesus changed me, and he can change you too. Let's move on. Lastly, lastly. Not only did he send human witness, he sent testimony. That's why we testify. We talk about God, not ourselves. He also sent his works. That's his miracles. Everything God does is a miracle. And if you've been saved, you are that miracle. Notice lastly in verse 39 what he says. Search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. The Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is John 1 Word? Who is that Word? Jesus is that Word. 
So he said, Jesus came, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was telling them, you think that you're operating by the Scripture. You've got Moses, you've got the prophets, you've got some teachings in here that you are supposed to be using to see how they prove I am who I said I am, and they are they. That's what he was saying. The Scriptures is what God has used to give you men and women, uh, the Pharisees in particular in context. He gave it to you so that you would know that I am who I said I am. What is the third thing that God gave us to prove He is who He said He is. His Word. Not only was it human testimony, not only was it, uh, or human witness, and not only was it, uh, uh, not only was it His works, but it's His Holy Word that God sent His Bible. God sent the Word of God on paper so that me and you can read it and can know who Jesus is. Do you know how I know that He went to a bloody cross at Calvary and was put in a tomb and three days later rose by His own power. And do you know that if I accept that blood, that it is is sufficient and satisfactory enough to cleanse all my sin? He he said, let us reason together. Though your sins be a scarlet, I can make them white as snow. But do you know how I know that? It is because I read it in a book. And not just a book, but God's Word, His Bible. He left the Bible here. And it is what your preacher preaches out of. If you had one that didn't use it, friend, throw him out. He ain't worth his soul, friend. The only power comes comes from the Word of God. And He said, I left the Word and you will not listen to it. If they wouldn't believe God's Word in writing, they wouldn't believe God's Word in flesh. Flip over there to Luke 16 where I told you to hold your spot. Let's read a story and land this plan. Luke 16, 27 through 31. For time, I just want to read those verses. I can't read the whole account. 27 through 31. This is the story of rich man and the Lazarus. The rich man and Lazarus. And uh, you know the story. Lazarus was begging bread. Rich man gave him crumbs. They both died and they went. Uh, the rich man went to hell. Lazarus went to paradise. And there was a great gulf fixed in between them. And the rich man was begging just for a drop of water because it was so hot and terrible down there in that place of torment that he wanted out of there. This is what he says. He said uh, to Abraham, he's in Abraham's bosom, right? So he's talking to Abraham in paradise. Now, your pastor have to clean all that up later, okay? <laughs> if you don't understand all that. But he's in Abraham's bosom talking to Abraham. And this is what he says to him in Luke 16, 27. I pray thee therefore, Father, Father Abraham, that thou would ascend unto him. Uh, he has five brothers, he said, uh, to my father's house. He wanted to send Lazarus back from the dead to his father's house. Why? For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they all so come into this place of torment. But look what Abraham said to him. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. Though one rose from the dead, Jesus in the Scriptures said, search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are they to testify about me. The third evidence that he gave in the passage was his holy word. And then Moses and Abraham told the rich man, hey, they don't need nobody. Come back from the grave and tell them anything. 
If they won't believe where they are, they wouldn't believe those somebody raised from the dead. I believe if my granny came back today and was explaining to me about something about heaven or hell in my depravity and lost state, if I was not born again, I would not believe if I would not first believe the Word of God. He said they got Moses and they got prophets. And what did Daryl Cox say? He said that that is me and you. But friend, I'll give you something a little bit more closer to what it is in context of Scripture. He said they got Moses and the prophets. They, he said they got the writings of Moses and the writings of the prophet. What is the writings of Moses and the prophet at the time? The Pentateuch and the prophets. He said they have what they have of their entirety of the Word of God in that day. He said if they will not listen to the Word of God that's been proclaimed by Moses, if they will not listen to the Word of God proclaimed by the prophets, then they will not hear. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to make much of the third evidence that Christ gives that I believe I can prove that Jesus is who He says He is because I hold in my hand a parchment of letters uh, that cannot ever be broken, that can never go away. Uh, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, uh, but the Word of God shall stand forever. Do you know how I know uh, that Jesus is who He says He is? Because uh, the Bible tells me so. Uh, that's the book for me. Uh, the B-I-B-L-E, friend. He left the Bible here so that me and you may know who He is and where we came from and our sin, how to be saved and on our way to heaven tonight. When I got saved, I can't tell the whole thing. Maybe next time if I get to come back. <laughs> can't tell the whole thing. Cause of time. 29 years old. I was raised in church, raised in a Christian school, graduated with friends of ours, City Towns. We graduated. Me and him was best friends since like second grade. I don't know if y'all met him. If you have, don't hold that against me. That's his brother over there. Meet him before you leave. You'll like him. 29 years old, my dad died five months earlier. Through those five months from December to April, I was lost and undone, had no purpose in my heart. I said, God, my mom and daddy, my school and my preacher, they told me to pray. I was 29 years old. I didn't even own a Bible. The last Bible I had was the one I had to have when I was in high school. When I graduated in 2000, I never picked up a Bible again until I got saved. I said, Lord, I need help. I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know why. God showed up in my heart. That's why. I didn't seek him. He came and found me. And he told me, you need me. He put a void in my heart that I couldn't feel. I'm trying to hurry up. I had no purpose, had no hope, had no happiness. Good job, kids and a wife and a home, living the American dream. But all was lost inside my heart. I said, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I'm going to get my wife saved, which I know I can't anyway, but I didn't know that then. I was ignorant. I said, God, I don't know how I'm going to get my wife saved, how I'm going to get my kids in church. I need my life to change. I need some help. That's the only person I told. Yep, some guy I never met before. <laughs> never seen. I just heard he lived in heaven. Right into the Father. Advocate, something like that. Some of y'all Bible readers like, oh, yeah, the advocate. <laughs> yeah, when I sin, I got an advocate. <laughs> you know. Anyway. I said, Lord, I need help out of, the, out of the blue. Not out of the blue and not coincidence, but i got to say that so you understand it. My wife says, I think I need a Bible. What? This Bible? I think I need a Bible. My wife never went to church. I think she went like two times when she was a kid when her granny took her. She didn't even know what God was. She didn't know what heaven or hell was, really. She had probably heard it. She'd probably seen it. You know, people talk about it. Out of the blue, only, thing, only person I told was God. I said, I need a, I said, God, I need my life fixed. I can't fix it. I didn't even know I was lost. I was raised in church. I was just ignorant. She said, I think I need a Bible. She started reading that Bible at random. I handed her a Bible, not this one, but one like it. I didn't even know what to get. Matter of fact, I called my friends. And I said, what Bible should I get? They told me which Bible to get. So I ran out and grabbed a Bible. 
I went out and bought a Bible as fast as I could. I brought it home and gave it to her. Could you imagine never reading the Bible ever in your life and being handed 66 books? Imagine landing in Malachi. What? The will and the will. What is that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how your Sunday schools go, but I have no idea what that is. I have no idea. The, yes, yes, the preacher that showed up six hours away. Well, the will and the will? I don't think Malachi knew what he was talking about. He's just doing the best he could. <laughs> Be at peace, okay? He, it's inspired. God knows what he's doing. I'm just saying, you imagine never having a class showing up in Malachi. Imagine showing up in Leviticus. My wife's like, my goodness, we've killed doves, we've killed lamb, we've killed goats, we've killed everything. Everybody's dying. We're splattering blood, sprinkling blood, pouring blood, burning blood, eating blood. Some raw, some whole. You're eating everything. What in the world's going on? But she had help better than her husband. The Holy Ghost had moved in that house. She started reading this Bible at random. At random. We didn't have no preacher at the time. We didn't go to church. This is the first Bible I've even owned for 11 years. First one she ever had. We didn't have no friends to call. My dad had just passed away five months earlier. Her mom and dad, you know, she, she wasn't raised in a Christian home. There was nobody to call. She searched, and I think God wanted it that way. She started reading this Bible at random. I'd go home and I'd, I'd go to work and I'd come home. I'd go to work and I'd come home. I'd go to work and I'd come home. And I'd say, God, I told you I need some help. I don't know how we're going to fix this. I had a habit too. I had a habit in my hand. I'd always bring it home. I'd go to the grocery store and I'd buy my habit. I'd bring it in the house. I brought it in every day. And that was one of my problems. I said, God, how am I ever going to get rid of this habit? I like it. I, I, I keep bringing it home and I don't want it, but I still have it. And I'd bring that habit home. I came home one day and it was different than every other day. I come home through the front door. I had the habit in my hand. My wife was sitting on the corner of the couch with the Bible open. She had the lamp on because she hated overhead lights. And as she was reading that Bible, she looked up from that Bible that night. And it was different than any other night that I came home before when she looked up from that Bible. She said, Travis, I think that I need to be saved. What I'm trying to tell you is, all she had was 66 books of this precious holy word and had nobody to lead and guide her but the Holy Spirit of God who she didn't even know existed, friend. And somewhere in the pages of Scripture, God told her, you're lost and on your way to hell and separated separated without me. And I came home and she said, I think I need to be saved. I said, we can do that right now. I called the only preacher that I knew on the phone and he never answered the phone, but he did that night because the Holy Ghost was ringing. He picked up the phone. We went down the hallway to the master bedroom and out of common courtesy and privacy, I left her alone in the room to do her business. I shut the door and I don't know what all happened in that room, but I went skipping down the hallway of my house at 1706 Dudley Drive. And I said, Lord, if you do this for my family, if you do this for my house, if you do this for my home, you can have me. You can have all of me. My life is yours. If I'm not, take me and do with it what you will. April 11, 2011, and it's never been the same. You know why? Because the evidence showed up in my house. And then he's called me to be part of the evidence. In 2022, still today, to prove that he is who he said he is. I got this pocket knife up here. Security, it's all good. I will not leave. I guarantee you there is some here. I found this pocket knife by the dumpster, Brother Steve. Somebody throwed it away. And the soil in the nastiness at the bottom of my house in the dumpster. I took it off and cleaned it off, threw it in my four-wheeler. 
I forgot about it. My oldest son, a few days later, maybe a few weeks later, said, you remember that pocket knife? What are you going to do with that? I didn't even know if it was any good. Somebody throwed it away. I figured it wasn't no good. Jesus came to his own. His own received him not. You know, we hung him on a tree. The most prized, precious treasure of heaven we put on the tree. Threw him away. I said, well, I'll get it and I'll clean it up. I started cleaning the knife up the best I could. Notice it wouldn't work very well. It, it didn't operate. You know, it was, it was down in the mud, muck in the mire. The world had got all in it. It just, it just looked like it was dead. <laughs> I started cleaning it up and looked at it and it had a name on it. name was Bench Made. Bench Made. Some of y'all know. Some of you don't. That's really nice. That's a fine. I said, oh, Benchmade, okay, well, that's something, that's pretty cool. My brother asked me what it was. I said, it says Benchmade on it. He said, oh, my goodness, that's what we used to use in the military. That's what they issued us. It was good knives. It big time. Look them up. Well, it didn't really work, so I sent it off to Benchmade, and they sent it back to me. They sent it back clean. They sent it back sharp. They sent it back old up. Look, oh, my goodness, did you see that? <laughs> Security, I'm not leaving. I'm right here, okay? Did you see that? When I got it back, they gave me a manual and everything with it. It came back like it was brand new. You know what happened? The knife that I had just thrown in the full wheel and didn't care about, now it meant something to me. I picked it up. It looked like it was useless and no good. looked like somebody throwed it away. looked like some old carpenter from Nazareth. Until somebody told me who it was. My brother said it's a bench made. Human testimony said what it was. I said it to get fixed and it came back. When it came back, what it didn't do before, now it does. Sharp, holds its edge, mechanical, got a clip on it. What I sent off and what I received, two totally different things. You know what it looked like? A miracle. 